Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Rehumanizing Project from Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate. On this episode, Charlie and I talked to Joe Wagner about just about darn near everything, I think. We talked uh, about the BLM protests, racism, history of all of that stuff. We talked socialism, capitalism. We talked about what it's like to be a libertarian today and what it's like to deal with all the social media censorship and all of those good things. Also, Joe is on a podcast called Our Big Dumb Mouths. I recommend that you go check it out. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that podcast in our show notes. So go check it out. Without any further ado, here is uh, the just starting right off in the middle of the interview. And here we go. I don't have uh, Facebook Messenger anymore. Oh, so. yeah. You, his Facebook is officially shut down. <laughs> yep. Same here. Couldn't Not handle even, it. They can't even reverse no, it. No, his got, his just no, got, got turned flagged. off today. He got flagged oh. somehow. Yeah. Don't even know Congratulations. why. Congratulations. That's what we said. That, that's good, man. To finally get put on a list like that. That's I'm on someone's list. That's good. That's a, uh, mm. you know, as far as a libertarian goes, that's kind of one of the things you check off the box is being able yeah. to get put on someone's list. Yeah, if you don't get a couple strikes at least, come on. You're not a real libertarian. Is how I love is. the <laughs> I love the whole new uh you know, this has been tagged flagged as sent as false information when it's like completely not. Like yeah. I've seen so many content creators who are like they have data, they have documents, they list their sources, but it gets flagged as false and it's like, "Oh my god, this this is literally Orwell now." It is. We are there. We are <laughs> living. Here. We are living inside a perfect mixture of 1984 and Animal Farm, all, all at the same time, and uh, it's a uh, it's pretty scary. But how did um, those end? <laughs> were, did, were they happy? I don't remember. I can't remember. You know, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember 84. I know that Animal Farm wasn't uh, it. It uh, it wasn't that great. Too many. <laughs> too many. Too many animals died. The real question is, how many times have you been called a Nazi or a fascist or a? Uh, because I've been called a Nazi and a fascist and a white supremacist and a racist multiple times today. Oh, good. On Twitter. Well, you're much more active. I don't, I don't, I don't put myself out there as much as I used to. And that's because I was just so tired of it because it was one of those deals where you're, you're just like, you know me, like you've known me for years. Like you're really going to assume that I'm saying what I'm saying because I'm racist and all this other stuff. But yeah, I did get into it with a guy I think this is what prompted me to reach out to you after I saw your Instagram post was I, he was posting a meme, what he thought was a meme because of the left can't meme, but it was a picture <laughs> of um, Antifa, you know, um, and it said freedom fighters on the top. And then on the bottom, it's had a picture of Gavin McGinnis and the Proud Boys walking and it said Nazis. And I, I just messaged him and I was like, dude, grow up. There, not everybody who di you disagree with is a Nazi. And, right. uh, and I, I said that, you know, Gavin McGinnis is married to a native American. He's got mixed race kids. There are people in the proud boys who are non-white. In fact, there's a Cuban black man in, the, uh, I think one of the leadership positions and, you know, his response was, you don't have to be white to support white supremacy. It's like, <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's really a rule. Like everything is whatever I decide it is. And there doesn't need to be any type of, uh, fact factual basis behind it you know whatsoever but yeah I, I know this guy and you know it's it's unfortunate that you know you can't have and i and i said to him in one of my comments i said this kind of thinking is ruining discourse which i think is the biggest problem because it's if you're if everyone's an extremist and everyone's a racist then no one is and that's the problem but they have all day and all night to go on facebook to go on youtube and we know about the censorship they know about you can go on Twitter. You can tweet all the lefty nonsense you want, and no one's going to do anything. Antifa's got all their accounts, and they're talking about violence and talking about planning all this crazy stuff. No worries. But, you know, you find uh, – I mean, it's just – we know. Like, Ben Swan gets pulled down. Like, all these people who are not necessarily radicals, they're just, you know, they don't buy into the whole thing. And Especially Ben Swan. I mean, the guy literally goes out there and just says, 
here is the factual information about this situation that is happening. I'm going to present what the factual information is. And yep. and then, you know, oh, all you got to do is call him a, just call him a Nazi. That's all you got to do. Just call him a or Nazi. Or conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy That's the other theorist. good one. Yeah. And then yeah. once you go against community standards, you have no option but to deal with it. Just, but not even deal with it. You have no option. You have There's no recourse. Which again, you know, private companies, they can do whatever they want on their platform. They can ban you because they don't like your name. That's the way I feel about it because it's a private company. However, the the illogical um, inconsistency, I don't know if that, that works together. The logical inconsistency. There you go. Um, yeah. is, is so uh, insane right now, which is like what I was talking about earlier, which is why we're doing this segment because really, I mean, we're all a bunch of humans that ultimately want the same things. I mean, you're not, you're not out there calling for people just to die in the street because they don't have health care or because they think differently than you do. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I guess not we recently. don't know that. Have you recently called for the death of poor people on, uh, on any of your platforms whatsoever? I, well, that is the tough <laughs> one, right? It's a, it's, I mean, so I live in Austin, Texas right now. And, there are homeless shelters that none of the homeless go to because they want to stay outside. They can't do drugs in the homeless shelters and they want to do drugs because they say that they want to be homeless. They literally want to be homeless. But there is an organization here in town, uh, Mobile Loaves and Fishes, which is really cool. Like they're doing a great job. But what they do is they say, you can stay here at a very subsidized cost and we'll provide you with housing and help you uh, connect with some of our partners who can give you jobs like a fry cook in a food truck or something like that, like something that anyone who wants to turn their life around. But this is a private organization run through a church. And oh, my God, God forbid that a church does something because the left is so anti, you know, religion. Uh, I mean, not all of them, obviously, but there is this huge anti-religion sentiment. But they're actually getting results and getting people back on their feet, you know, and, and it's it's interesting to me because. I actually, I did get kicked off of next door because when the, the, because when the, anyone getting kicked off, kicked of, next off of next before. door, that's, that's hardcore <laughs> right there, man. You know, wonder you, you can't you be on it. any social media platforms. <laughs> Joseph, my man. Yeah. They, they reported me to, uh, I think enough people reported me, but what was happening was that people were really like celebrating the idea that they were going to allow camping everywhere so that homeless people literally didn't have to like hide under trees behind you know in in the in the grassy areas of some uh, trail or something or they'd live under the bridge and then they'd get rousted out by the police and the authorities or so forth so that stuff all went away and and uh mayor adler was like oh everybody can just camp wherever they want and i got into it with some people who were celebrating this saying you know these people don't want to have homes like they're this is going to make things a lot worse and it just spiraled into it you know how it goes like a big old flame flame war but she was there was one girl in particular who was suggesting that no that nobody wants to be homeless nobody chooses to be homeless and i sent her a link to the can't raise ktcv whatever there's a there's a texas news network local here and they're interviewing these homeless people and asking them like they there's beds at this you know at the at the arch you know, shelter. Why don't you want to go in there? And he said, literally, that's where I got this information. He's like, my, my friends are out here. The drugs are out here. If I go in there, they're not going to have any of that stuff. And I choose this life. This is where I feel comfortable. And I found multiple clips from Seattle, from wherever. And you know how the problem is growing in all these places. They choose the life. I met a guy when I was 23 years old and he, he told me the same thing. He's like, my sister lives, you know, a couple miles up the road. She said I could look, come live with her, but you know, I just like being out on the streets. So, and you know, what's interesting about that. Some of them, some of them might even choose to do, you know, we did another interview where this guy was talking about homesteading. Some people might choose to do like a tiny house or homesteading or something like that, where they cut all their expenses and they can kind of live free, live outdoors, so to speak. Uh, but you're inhibited to do that by the government. But if you're homeless, well, you know, mostly no big deal. Right. Especially in a lot of these areas. I so, think it was Florida that had like some kind of uh, I don't remember if it was a city thing or if it was a state thing, but um, some kind of a policy where you couldn't have a garden in your yard, which was like, OK, 
<laughs> right. So I can't collect that. rainwater. That's one, dude. Yeah. There was a so there was a brewer. There was a, a brewery in a restaurant brewery in Atlanta that I loved. I mean, I just loved their beer. I loved their food. Really great people, and they built their. Uh, I think it was their second location with rainwater collection, filtration, all that stuff. And that was going to be their big sell. It was like ecologically friendly, um, you know, beer being brewed through rainwater. And the government came and shut them down and said, oh, it's not safe. But they tried to make a case by testing the city water versus the, the water they were collecting. The water they were collecting was infinitely higher quality less sort of impurities in it and they just shut them down anyway didn't matter it doesn't matter what the evidence is it's like you owe us money we want our we want our water money <laughs> right it's, it's insane and, and that is one. you know the last guy we talked to he he was actually a pretty big democrat and until he tried to do his own homesteading thing and do his own tiny house and he realized that he wasn't allowed to do most of the things that he wanted to do it actually kind of opened up his mind to the idea that the the government was actually uh, way too intrusive when it came to all these things. It was, I was going to say, you were talking about the homeless people and some of them choosing uh, to be homeless. One thing I, I think is an issue with people, say, on the left side of a spectrum is it when they hear, they have a tendency, if, if, if you think more emotional based about everything, when you hear one story, you tend to extract that out and say that it applies to everything. You see this, like if someone tells a bad story, here's someone who was poor, this is what happened to them, therefore, this is the story for everyone. And what I would see as an issue when you're talking to someone about that is they would say, well, he said he showed me this thing where someone wanted to be homeless. So he must be saying that all homeless people are choosing to be homeless and that, that there isn't a homeless problem. And that all these people are actually just there because they actually like being homeless or they want to be homeless. So therefore, I can't entertain this conversation with this guy because that's obviously not the truth. And I think you would agree, not all homeless people want to be homeless, more than likely. But I, but I think there's an issue on that side where when they hear one, you know, what is that anecdotal evidence side of it, they tend to apply that to everything this must mean that it applies to everything all the time therefore there's no way that homeless guy wants to be homeless because all homeless people don't want to be homeless that's insane and i mean have you have you noticed that with people and talking to them like the the way that you'll take anecdotal evidence or one single story and decide that it must apply to everyone's situation all the time i feel like we've had a big issue with that well, yeah, and I could circle back to one of the things I brought up earlier with that friend of mine. I've known him for years. I've known him for almost 13 years now. And he says that people who are non-white and part of the Proud Boys are supporting white supremacy. So that's the only conclusion he can come to. Not that they're thinking for themselves and it's maybe not a white supremacist organization, which it's not. It's like a little, you know, it's it's a... America. It's the Moose Lodge. It's it's whatever. I mean, yeah. it's it's goofy, and yeah, they they get into fights and they cause more trouble than, for themselves than they need to. But to to I thought to assume that you know non whites who would join the Proud Boys are so stupid that they're fighting against their own uh, wishes and and futures is the most racist thing I've ever heard him say. And he would never admit that in a minute. Like I, like. It, it, for for years he'll he'll go to his grave never admitting that it's racist to assume that and you see it all the time like every when trump had all these you know that he had you know blacks and non-whites up on the the when he was inaugurated or not inaugurated but um you know during the republican convention everybody was you saw it it was the token you know, these people, they don't know what they're, they're so stupid. They're so stupid. How could they believe in anything that we don't believe in? They're so stupid. They're black. And I get that as a gay man. It's like, as a gay man, I actually had it said to me by somebody at uh, my old job. She's like, but you're supposed to vote for Hillary. You're gay. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is the most bizarre shit in the world. I mean, I voted for Gary Johnson at the first one. Second one, he was a little bit, you know, weeded out. 
So I, <laughs> and, and I'm not a big fan of voting generally. I like to vote for local stuff. It's more important. But definitely when Hillary and Trump were, were going, I was like, I do not want that bitch in the White House. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, have you always held the political beliefs that you do? Have you gone through like a, a transition with them? Were you, were you ever the more liberal or conservative or anything like that uh, uh you know ha- or has it always kind of been the same way there's there's been some meandering here and there my my dad used to drive us around you know to whatever baseball and all this and he'd always have like am talk radio on and you know it's all like rush limbaugh and all this stuff so i kind of grew and my dad would always make these points these conservative points And then when I got to college, obviously, you get a little bit radicalized. And I started to hear, you know, global warming was becoming a huge deal. And everybody was kind of all on board with this stuff. I voted for Bush like an idiot, you know, in 2000. (laughs) Um, You know, I just I feel gross about some of the things that I I participated in just because I was raised that way. But I did convert on global warming to where it's like, oh, I think this is probably a thing, even though my dad used to always say it's bullshit. Um, And so then I did a double back after doing a lot more research where it's like, oh, okay, I, yeah, there, there, my, the entire state of Ohio, which is where I was born, was covered in ice and it wasn't SUVs that melted it. And yeah, there's <laughs> probably some nuance. And that's probably the problem that kind of goes back to what you were talking about, where it's like some people on the left side of the spectrum just don't appreciate nuance. It's like, okay, climate change is probably real, but it's probably not killing us. Anyway, to get back to the point, I began to get really libertarian in um, the early 2000s when I graduated college. And then by the time Ron Paul, you know, was running, I was campaigning for him. I went and saw him in Tennessee. You know, I was all about it. I would stand out on on the end of uh, Freedom Parkway in Atlanta, Georgia with signs, hand out buttons. I thought like, this is it. We're going to finally get something. And then it was just so deflating. And then 2012 came around. I was still happy that he did everything and got the ideas out there. Um, but then through more and more of just being in this space, it's like, we shouldn't even have a government. Like we should just not have it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, we can go down, we can go down that line. Like what, um, you know, the, the, the thing that we really want to get across on this is that everyone has the beliefs they have, uh, for, for a certain reason. So why would you, why would you lean towards, uh, yeah, we just, we just shouldn't have a government and, and, um, you know, what do you think that if you were talking to say your friend that didn't want to be your friend anymore on Twitter or, or the guy that you knew for 13 years, Instagram, and, and yeah. was mad at your Instagram was mad at you. Um, you know, if you were going to explain why you're not a terrible person, because you just said that maybe we shouldn't have a government and he's like, well, what about the homeless and what about healthcare and what about people having housing and what about all this stuff? Like, what do you think it says what do you really think it says about you as a person when you say you don't want the government? Sure. Unless it is that you just want people to die, <laughs> which I don't think that is what it is. But what do you think it actually says to them? Like, what are they hearing? I mean, what do you know? I mean, how do you, you know, what do you think it says about What would you want them to know about you when you say something like that? Well, this is a, I like this question because I think, Maybe we touched on this in our correspondence before jumping on this call, but I people seem to assume that you came to your opinions because you turned on Fox News and Sean Hannity told you something, and now all of a sudden you're just dumb, and that's all you believe, you know? You're deplorable. <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's like it's it's like you, your opinion is different, and I don't know how you got there. I'm not even curious to know how you got there. And I'm certainly not going to ask why you believe what you believe, but you're obviously stupid because I'm right. But I think the thing that I would want to be able to communicate most to people is that I didn't come to these opinions because I didn't look at history, economics, like read about philosophy, read about how, you know, gunpowder sort of changed the scope of how governments were able to operate and, and monarchs and so forth. I mean, there are so many... and. I asked a guy who was heavily left, like, do you know who John Locke even is? And he was like, I don't even care who John Locke is. What is this, Summer Republic? You know, like, they just don't care. They don't care that it's like I came to these opinions with an informed uh, foundation. It's, It's just your opinion is different, and so you're bad. And I think that that's what is ultimately at the 
crux of what's ruining discourse is that people aren't willing to say, okay, well, how did you get there? For example, the guy who I do the podcast with, it's called Our Big Dumb Mouth, if anybody's interested, but um, you can go to obdmpod.com if I could do a little quick plug. Yeah, but, I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes for sure. I was actually just checking out the website and man, the artwork and everything is just badass on the website, dude. He's fun. So yeah, he does. He does a good job. He's he works. He works really hard, but he's <laughs> one of these guys who's super into ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and cryptozoology and all this stuff. And I I'm a big skeptic, but at the same time, I don't have to believe it to have a nice conversation with him. You know, I don't have to be like, oh, yeah, this is clearly a UFO. And now we can have a conversation. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I can poke holes in what he says and he can, po you know, he can try to advocate for his side. And that's the nice thing about the show is that it's sort of like the Mulder and Scully X-Files thing where, you know, he has this idea that comes from a different place. And I just don't think anybody nobody comes into the arguments anymore with the capacity to say, I might be wrong here, but I'm going to voice my opinion. Or, or might even you, you might be right. And so I'm going to consider that and let's talk. And then if you are right, I'm going to allow you to prove to me while you're, why you're right. And I will fully consider your opinion on this because I want to know the truth. And I want to believe the truth. I, you know, I, I, I want to believe. <laughs> Speaking of exile, so right. uh, you know, and and so there's definitely. I mean, that's even tougher to have someone be open-minded in a conversation and be completely willing to be wrong while they're while they're talking. Now, one of my favorite quotes is, and I'm going to make sure I'm I'm quoting the right person, but it is the mark of an educator mind uh to uh entertain an idea without accepting it i believe it was aristotle but i'm just gonna double check oh i'm getting one thing that says no aristotle did not say it I, it, whether he did or not there's a lot of people go back and forth on twain and all these other guys and so we know all this but i do think that the concept is is exactly what we're lacking from a cultural perspective, which is it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Yeah, whether or not he said that, that still is a completely logical and uh, truthful statement. Unless so Trump said it, then. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I think the same thing. It's like Trump could ban guns tomorrow and the left would be like, this is charity like they would all be for guns at that point. this is gonna so hurt you know what I mean? this is gonna hurt yeah. minorities and women who want to protect themselves <laughs> yeah well you know the other thing that i think is so funny about the uh like to kind of go back to that guy on instagram i was arguing with he he was one of these guys who was putting signs in the hands of his kids who are all less than 10 years old you know um i think the oldest one was 13 but the the other ones were were younger and he's putting signs in the hands, you know, refugees welcome and, you know, r racism has no home here. And this was during, you know, kids in cages, all that crazy stuff. Now we're all in cages, but they don't care about that. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, but kids in cages, all the, the, the airport bans and all that. So they're out there protesting. They live in California. So, you know, so you do as you do. Um, but at the same time, it's like I thought to myself after we were in this little Instagram exchange, it's like, OK, so. At the same time, you want all people to come to this country on, you know, like the, it's just like no restrictions whatsoever. Just let everybody in, even though like, I mean, I would be fine with that if there wasn't a welfare state. Great. But at the same time, it's like there are rules. You can't go to Mexico without uh, immigration and passports and stuff like that. But they want everybody to be able to come in whenever they want willy nilly so that they could live under a white supremacist government like how does this make any sense? It is really, I, you know, it's fun. I was just reading from your email and there's something I have to make sure we talk about, which was this line that you said, you gotta, gotta go, you gotta go all the way into this. Cause you said I had to disable my Facebook cause I felt like it's harder to be right of center than it is to be a trans eight year old. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see that. <laughs> We see that with the cuties show, like, you know, it was like all the, the, all the mainstream press was talking about all these right wing 
you know, jerks are, you know, going after this great new movie that celebrates whatever it celebrated. I mean, the articles were there. I didn't read any of them. I, I did. I, I get all my sources from podcasts and YouTube and stuff like that. So they gather those sources. They show me the screenshots and all that stuff. But, you know, it, it's like the what is that one kid who the stripper kid on Netflix, too? They have the amazing what's his face, you know? Oh, yeah. The the drag, the the drag queen kid yeah the drag boy who has like gay dudes throwing money at him at night and in gay clubs i don't remember what that's called but i know what you're talking about but that's the kind of thing it's like that stuff is all celebrated you know and and for you and but if you actually have like i had a uh a don't tread on me i see it in the back uh, behind you i had a don't tread on me uh hitch this is how gay I am. I have a you know four by four Toyota Tacoma pickup truck uh, because I want to go off roading with it because I'm gay and that's what I want. <laughs> I mean, it's like it doesn't make any sense. I have a bunch of guns. Whatever, it did doesn't you, matter. Did you at least have balls hanging from the hitch? <laughs> no, but I did. I there's a there's a truck in town that's got these balls that must be like. They must be three feet long. It's crazy. It's all lifted and all this stuff. But I had a hitch on it, and I had these gay friends who lived here. They moved away. But um, we were hanging out, and we took separate cars, and uh, they saw the don't tread on me on the back of the truck, and they were like, we can't be friends now. And we did. We started hanging out less. Huh. That's crazy. You know, yeah. I, just a little story from me my dad owns a grocery store and when he's in illinois and when illinois shut down all the businesses and and then they forced everyone to wear masks everywhere my dad put a sign on the door that said uh basically we're you know i don't know if it was staying open at that time but he said pretty much we're not going to make anyone wear a mask in here if you want to wear a mask you can uh but uh due to potential health concerns with some of our employees we can't force them to wear any masks and then he put a don't tread on me sticker underneath that and he lives in a predominantly minority town i'm saying like 80 to 90 percent black town and everyone was calling him a racist because he put a don't (laughs) tread on me flag on his on his door of his grocery store about the mask mandate that's the next one they're going for i mean they got the confederate flag and they they told a bunch of bullshit lies around that i mean uh the proof is out there with abraham lincoln like the guy was not trying to free slaves he was basically push it was an economic push you know i don't mean to stir up too much drama but if you actually look into the history i don't know if you follow ryan dawson at all we interviewed him on the show a few times but he knows this stuff like the back of his hand but he walked us through kind of all of the steps that led to that whole thing but the don't tread on me flag is is uh relevant as the rebel flag i mean martin luther king was marching with the rebel flag because it stood for, I am not going to take your shit, you know? Yeah, it stood for, I'm, at that time, you know, you used to be able to say, it stood for, I'm an individual, I'm not to be controlled by the state, I'm, and that, but of course, uh, these things have different meanings attached to them now, which, just like the Gadsden flag, which is insane, you know, that with everything that's been going on with the, with the BLM protests and all that, if they're if there's not a more perfect flag than BLM protesters uh, that BLM protesters could wave than the "Don't Tread on Me" flag when they're out there protesting police brutality and things like mm-hmm. that, there's not a there's not a more perfect flag made for that, and they've mm-hmm. completely destroyed what the meaning of the flag is by somehow convincing everyone that it means that you're a white supremacist in some kind of way. So, what do you th- what do you think leads to this? Um you know, this dissonance that we have, like the, the anti-discourse and, and all of that. I mean, you said you, you grew up in Ohio, you went to college, um, and then you, you decided essentially, I guess, to open up your mind and start to dig behind. What do you think stops people from taking that step? Do they just not care? Or, you know, maybe they've just, you know, they feel what they feel and they're just going to go with that and they don't, they don't care. Um, to dig any deeper what do you think that is i have a couple thoughts on that i think from my experience and the people i've talked to you know i don't tend to try to get into arguments with strangers but for the people who i've gotten into arguments with that i know um and i i don't mean to be judgmental at all 
but I, I know that there are some people who I've gotten into arguments with who can tell you more about RuPaul's Drag Race than I could ever care to know, and they want to fight me about something I actually know something about based on history or economics or politics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they know, they're, they're, they're filling their minds with garbage, and then they catch these you know ancillary uh, pieces of news and headlines and they they go they get outraged to buy it so you know nobody's reading any of these articles it's all quick 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 and i got to go back to netflix and chill and so they're filling their heads with garbage the other thing that i am and again i don't want to offend anybody but i think sports i'm glad that sports is not having a great year right now because i think it diverts a lot of male attention and even female attention obviously but it diverts a lot of thought effort research away from actually understanding the world that you live in and the world that you're going to raise your kids in. Like, for God's sakes, you can tell me who, you know, uh, got the last touchdown in the Super Bowl 24 years ago, but you can't tell me who John Locke is, you know, like what is what that's the that's the problem is that people are not encouraged to actually know anything. They're actually encouraged just to kind of go along with whatever Facebook is telling you to do, whatever the news is telling you to do. And there's so much proof. I mean, when doing all this research, I dove into conspiracies quite a bit and everything. Um, and, and you look at like the church committee and how they found out that the CIA was literally embedding reporters within news organizations all throughout the world. And you think to yourself, well, did they stop doing that because they got caught? No, God, no, they didn't. They just got better at hiding it or they just don't care. I mean, they're still doing it and people don't seem to want to know anything about this. Like they just think like, oh, that no, they they wouldn't be doing that. Somebody would talk. And it's like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that we put you know, people in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once we talk. <laughs> Getting yeah. better at hiding it. That just kind of reminds me back on the whole said racism conversation or any kind of bigotry conversation. like. We we uh, are definitely seeing people shut down accounts uh, from people who who are saying things that other people don't like. I mean, heck, Charlie's account got shut down today, and we don't even know for sure why. And one of the great things I saw, did you see that documentary, uh, the free speech documentary? Um, uh, crap, what was that called? Adam Carolla Carolla? and... With Adam uh, Carolla and um, oh, I know... Oh, I've been um, wanting to. Yeah, I know what really you're talking good. about. Dave yeah. Rubin was uh, was in it, and uh, no safe like spaces. No safe spaces. What was called. Safe. Yeah. Anyway, look that up just so I can. One thing they we Charlie and I actually took the day off and went and saw it uh, at the theater back when theaters were a thing, and it was actually in the theater here in Nashville. And um, one thing they talked about was when you when you stop the speech, you don't stop people from feeling those things. You just make them hide it. You just put it un- underground. And that kind of reminds me of, well, I mean, they, they found out CIA had people in there, so obviously they stopped. No, they probably just got better at hiding all of these things. They found better ways to hide it. You're not going to stop the bad people from thinking bad thoughts or, or doing anything like that. But I don't that What do you see as the danger for just basically top-level blocking these things from society's view and then acting like we solved the problem? Well, that that's interesting considering news recently where they're taking Margaret Sanger off of the Planned Parenthood uh, in New York or something like this. But they're they're trying to se- separate themselves from Margaret Sanger. But I can remember it being as long ago as I think maybe 10 years where I saw I was trying to prove that she was actually a eugenicist and a racist and all this other stuff. And this was kind of like all born out of this weird philosophy that, you know, Frankfurt School and all these things that were coming coming together, you know, these these maniacs who want to control society. And I was trying to prove out uh, these quotes and I was able to find the quotes. I mean, they're not easy to find. The first thing you find is an NPR uh, piece uh, at that time that was talking about how she wasn't a racist. She was a humanitarian and she just loved people and all this stuff. But now they're pulling her off. So, um I think what's hiding this stuff and why people aren't able to see it is because they're really good at sort of quietly um, not uh, admitting to fault. You know, the Russia investigation, um, all of that stuff. It's like Trump wouldn't denounce hate 
you know, uh, what, three days ago, five days ago or something. And then now all of a sudden everyone's on Twitter saying, I hope he dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ride so is so like, hateful. <laughs> I think they, they really go with this goldfish brain mentality where it doesn't really matter what the history or the truth or the foundations or the branches, nobody hits the branch or nobody hits the roots. They're all hitting the branches and the branches all just showed up, you know, five minutes ago and that's it. Yeah, it's almost like not even the branches. We're just trying to shake the leaves off the tree and then acting like you, yeah. uh, you, you fixed the problem. We mentioned, uh, you mentioned 1984 before we started the episode. I mean, it just reminds me so much of things that George Orwell wrote when it comes down to, like you're talking about Margaret Sanger, and then probably a few years from now, you could probably, or maybe even now, they'll be able to deny that she ever even was a real person that existed. <laughs> and And it's a conspiracy theory that she ever even started this organization what do you mean look at our website that's not who founded this that's not who founded this right here this person right here is the founding member of Planned Parenthood you, I, you guys are just out there in your in your QAnon groups talking about talking about this you know and it's like this changing history thing and then the media goes along with it and people like you said goldfish brains on everything uh, no one thinks past a few minutes ago and uh it's I don't, is there a way out of this <laughs> that you see you know uh, i think there are ways out of this and i've heard a lot of people i don't know if you guys listen to the dave smith podcast or tom woods i mm -hmm. mean we're all in that kind of orbit so yeah. um i i've heard them talk a lot about secession as being a good thing i know it would be connected to the gadsden flag and the confederate flag and racism and all that other stuff but i do feel like there's too much to put together like ideologically there's too much to squeeze together and pretend like the media which with its all its irresponsibility and the politicians who are so corrupt i mean up to down left or right it doesn't really matter and, and stop picking teams because that's what sports does i think a lot is it gets people in this mindset of this binary where there is no nuance and they're not watching it for the athletic stuff so it's like just simplify everything put a binary men women gay straight blah, blah 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 so i think as long as you have this many people who are supposed to get along under the same rules become more and more authoritarian i don't think it it's sustainable um as we get to what 24 25 trillion dollars in debt something like that um but i do see solutions in other places like one of the organizations I've done work for from uh, design marketing uh, side is the Seasteading Institute, which are you guys familiar with these guys? No, I'm not. I'm not. So the Seasteading Institute, along with Blue Frontiers, they are and, and also now Ocean Builders, what they're trying to do is observe maritime law outside of the, you know, the, the, the boundaries, the legal territory of any nation that exists. So they were successful getting one of these seasteads up in uh, just off the coast of Thailand. Um, the Thai Navy came and tore the whole damn thing down. It was just two uh, people. It was a guy and his wife and they just wanted a seastead. They had a whole self-sustaining solar panels, water recycling, all this stuff. They have all this technology, all these smart people behind all these efforts. And they just want to just be away from any regulatory um, sort of parameters so that they can just live. And they're actually more green than the Green New Deal. They're more sustainable than any, uh, you know, uh, EPA program than you could ever imagine or regulation. And now they're building in Panama and um, they, they're, they're literally trying to open source governance um, you know, want to be a part of this seasteading community, come live by us. You don't have to participate or you can participate. You can, and that's the biggest thing is that, you know, a socialist or a communist would never let you have your own space to be a libertarian, but libertarians would probably be like, okay, if you want to buy some property, you know, farm it, help hold on to it, live on it, do whatever the hell it is you want to do. Like we'd be all about it, but they're not like that. It's a control freak factor. And so I, I think that the only solution lies in people understanding that people should be free to do what they want and, uh, and not be, um, you know, coerced into uh, participating in some kind of a, you know, bullcrap program that they feel like 
is important for poor people or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and what, you know, what about being a human, um, you know, even if you don't want people to suffer, what makes you beholden um, to ensuring that that doesn't happen? Uh, even though we know that regardless of how, how much we steal from people, there's still going to be suffrage in the world because that's, I mean, that's part of human life. Like we all go through, you know, crazy things. So that, that leads me to my next question. I want to go a little uh, deep here with you. This is a tough question. It's tough for everybody. I, I hate this question, but um, <laughs> I, I want to know who you are. And so not what you do or where you're from, but what do you, what defines you as a person? Like, what are your hopes and dreams? What are your fears? Like who, who is Joseph? Hmm. Tell me why someone shouldn't want to burn down your house when it comes down to that. When they're marching down the street, they're like, uh, you know, he feels this way politically, but he's, you know, actually I know him. He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would say, you know, if, if, if they think I should be dead, I'll ask, ah, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like 2020, like all this stuff. I would say that like who I am is it's like, I, so the sea sitting Institute, I reached out to them, because I wanted to help them, you know, I think the, the things that I'm passionate about most are, I like being, you know, I like levity. I like positivity. I like optimism. I like people. It's like, have a sense of humor about it. Like feel how you want about Trump. I don't think he's great, but at least laugh for a minute. You know, I mean, it's all kind of screwed up and you know, people were calling Obama a terrorist and all this stuff. So I think like, for me, it's more just like, have a good attitude. Um, and that's what I try to do is just be, you know, open-minded, optimistic and hope for the best. Um, so I think that's pretty good. I have a bunch of survival stuff, so that might be helpful, but people probably just kill me and steal it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just put but your house on is, number is that, one uh, list. What's that? You just put your house on number one list for looting, actually. I mean, yeah. I have my bug out plan and everything. So I, I mean, for sure, it's like, I think it's just something that people who are in this space think about. But um, I think it's mostly because I've put myself out there. I took down my YouTube videos but I do have a YouTube page. I put a lot of them on the Our Big Dumb Mouth page too, but I took them down because I've been looking for work um, and I just wanted to make sure it's not really connected to anything with my name on it, but I just wanted to be careful about it. But I put out content that seems to resonate with people. I run social accounts that seem to resonate with people. Um, I participate on that podcast. It's been growing steadily over the last several years. And I think that the reason... I think that's the stuff that gives me the most meaning. Yes, I love my job and I do. I'm a creative professional. I love that. I love doing all that work. But I think the most important thing that I can contribute to anyone who might want to kill me is <laughs> a little bit of uh, reason and understanding as to how to actually accomplish what it is you're trying to accomplish. Because I know for a fact that burning down your city is not going to end violence it just the it, it, the two seem incompatible call me crazy <laughs> <laughs> why do well, you go ahead you know, you know to to add on to that i would say is like you know what let's say that we usher in this you know socialistic utopia or or communist utopia and we have medicare for all and everyone is getting paid five thousand dollars a month and there's we have the baseline that everyone's talking about what if we have all of that i mean it's like you know, for whoever's out there, like, is your mom not going to die? You know, your brother's not going to get cancer. People still aren't going to suffer. It, like none of that, none of that ever matters when something like that happens in your life. Um, and so even if we, even if we were to somehow manage um, impossibly a, a utopia like that, it doesn't get rid of the problems that every, everybody faces. And I think, I think most people are looking for, solutions to problems and we all you know especially in in this space none of us disagree that there's problems there's plenty of problems everybody has problems i mean i agree with bernie sanders that our healthcare systems is a fucking mess it's it's, it's insane and it's because i work in the space and i understand it but where we differ heavily is that it is the solutions you know his solutions are absolutely in my opinion, catastrophic for, for human beings. Um, whereas if you allow people to be free, 
Uh, and why is that such a hard ask to allow people to be free? Um, yeah. Then we could create a system that for the most part would benefit uh, every, the most amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. And I think a lot of it, it's like take just the minimum wage, for example. I mean, you could literally find the articles online by the quick Google search that it came about by trying to keep, you know, low skilled, recently freed blacks and, you know, the under skilled uh, out of the workforce. You know, the people who were sort of a little bit more bougie were like, we need a rule to make sure that, you know, because you, you price people out of the workforce to protect your own interests. And so if you knew that the minimum wage was based on racism, maybe you could consider that. But nobody does that anymore. It just doesn't seem like that's. Uh, it's not even of interest to people. It's like, yeah, maybe it was based on racism, but it's still good. We still like it. And yeah, it's, it's like, not, okay, it's not well, now. <laughs> yeah, it's well, not. Now, it's not. It's not keeping underskilled people out of the workforce now. It did then, but it wasn't now because economics changes every day. It's like, well, no, <laughs> economics is kind of a thing. People are people respond to incentives, and I think that that's sort of the the problem is that a lot of people don't see the the machinations of how these programs that they love, they, they, you know, pretend to love so much, like how do these programs actually get, you know, uh, brought about? It's like, there's literally, it's, it's force, it's, it's coercion. It's the idea that if you don't participate in this program that I really love, I don't care if you go to jail. Like, I really like these roads really. I, these are the best roads ever. There's no innovation that can be made on roads even though they hire private contractors to build the roads, it's not the government building them. They're hiring them to build them. You know, it doesn't matter to me that there's the gun pointed at everyone's head, you know, being tugged through how many layers of bureaucracy and how many different employees within the government and how many different, you know, handouts and, you know, uh, quid pro quos that happen with it's like, yeah, my, 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 uh, uncle is a contractor who does concrete you know it's like people don't they don't think about any of that stuff they don't realize that it's just, it's just a cement company this ain't hard yeah they're just a, they're just accepting money like any other company would be doing and when the government's paying for it they know they can charge a hell of a lot more money when they're when they're doing that and it's crazy to think you mentioned oh we have no innovations on roads and i know the private contractors are building the roads and you know, it's also true that the private companies will pay for stadiums and massive buildings and they'll put their names all over them just so they can have their name on a giant building somewhere. I wouldn't mind driving on a piece of concrete that had a McDonald's sticker on it every 20 feet like that. That's that's fine with me if they want to pay for that. And maybe they would voluntarily do that. But maybe that would be the best option. It's like if you love Planned Parenthood so much, why is the government have to fund it? Yeah. Go ahead and donate. Yeah. And that's, that I think is a speech issue because if money is speech and you're forcing people who don't believe in abortion to pay for Planned Parenthood through subsidies, whether or not you say no tax money goes to abortions, it's like the organization itself is there are people who are vehemently opposed to it. So you are literally forcing them to speak on their behalf by stealing their money and giving it to them so that they can route it to Democrats to get more votes so that they can get more money. So it's it's a gross little you know, circle, but I don't think people really have the curiosity enough to, to, I don't know, just be honest with I, themselves. I had a friend when Trump was elected that said that she was, you know, very, very leftist. And she was like, well, I just, I don't want to pay my taxes anymore because I don't want my taxes going to the stuff that Trump wants to do with the, with the tax money. <laughs> and I was like, exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Eureka. You're we a, found it. You're a libertarian. <laughs> You are, <laughs> no, it's, but it's like you can go to a leftist and say, "Do you really want your money going to a to a bomb that's, that might kill a kid in in Iraq or something like that? Is that what you want your money going towards? Is is killing, uh, you know, a million people in 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 Iraq or or Syria or wherever? And maybe someone on the left might be like, "Oh yeah, I really don't want my tax money going towards that." But then, unfortunately, where they land is so that's why I have to get my guy in power. Or yep. girl in power, and that, so yep. so I can make sure that there's always a perfect person controlling that money when it when it goes out, and uh, yeah. it's pretty. It sounds like kind of a 
crazy, stupid idea when you say it out loud like that, <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I think it's pretty juvenile, too, just to not realize that that's how it goes. I mean, you looked at it with the with the Senate stuff and the 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 loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where they Democrats invoke the nuclear option, which now is, you know, it's in play for the Republicans who control the Senate. And they don't realize that it's like, OK, so you gave Bush the spying powers. That wasn't good. Obama had them. That was good. And now Trump has them. And that's not good. And so it, they don't realize that they're building on a web of control and authoritarianism that as long as their guy isn't in, it's, it could be potentially used against them. And, and it's just like, it's, it's like, just get rid of that whole thing. Like my, one of my big things is like, you talked about sports and the stadiums. It's always like the government is like making the taxpayers pay for the stadiums. Like I can't like millionaires are going to run around touching each other's balls and I got to pay for it. Like <laughs> this is bullshit. Like I, I, I just it to me, it makes no sense. And then they have to destroy the stadium every six years so that they get a new one. It, you know, it's like, <laughs> can we not? <clears throat> this stadium, this stadium will self-destruct in 10 years yeah. <laughs> to build a new one. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, honestly, I haven't, I haven't listened to, I, I didn't listen to your podcast before this, but now I definitely have subscribed during, subscribed during this and I'm going to be listening to it because you got a great voice for it and you obviously are making a lot of really good points. So, uh, it's definitely something that I need to go listen to for sure, which is our big dumb mouth podcast or mouths. Is it mouth or mouths? Our big dumb mouth. mouth. Okay. Or obdmpod.com. Yeah. OBDM. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely definitely going to go check that out. But um, well, we are. I'm sorry, I have to go. I have to go. But Joseph, nice talking to you, Nate. Round it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see you Thanks, soon, man. man. I got to ask you the one. I got to ask you the one question I've been asking everyone. That uh, so if you had if you had the money to fix a problem, and say you're going to give it to a charity or you're going to try and fix it yourself, um, what would you focus? What would you focus that money on to try and fix? endless money just you yeah you have unlimited money but it's going to be used on one thing to fix that problem and we'll say not uh not dismantling the government or not uh you know fighting leftism but a cause what do you what would that be for you i actually think you could cut the cost by just actually um teaching children uh sort of trivium method understanding of the world, you know, grammar, logic, rhetoric, just giving them the the foundational understanding of how to actually perceive data because our schools now are literally, you know, just kind of cookie cutters and they get more and more costly every year. So I think I wouldn't even, I would need a fraction of the amount of money that we're spending to hopefully set up uh, generations of people who are free thinkers who can, you know, navigate the world and not uh, buy into bullshit when they see, you know, when the, when the television tells them some crazy nonsense. So, uh, so education mainly for the, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it, that's interesting to me because you've seen someone like Ron Paul, as he gets older, he's focused on education and the Ron Paul homeschool. And that's been one of his main things. And I think that's something a lot of people are pinpointing that, um, we're going to have to start by uh, not just indoctrinating people and, and making cookie cutter factory worker brains out of everyone and, yep. and actually allowing them. I mean, thank God I had a music teacher in high school who every day on the board and he would write it freshly on the board real big. He would write, seek the truth on the board and never really cool. knew why he didn't say why really. He just said, basically, they're they're lying to you and you need to and you need to seek the truth in every single situation good for him and uh i that stuck with me forever because i did not have any political beliefs at that at that time at all but the idea of seeking the truth in every situation and not just listening to what someone had decided they were going to tell me uh was just had such a massive impact and you mentioned like you were willing to dig into all these to all these things and read the history about this and, and not just, you know, whatever the headline was, uh, that's, that's something, I, a quality I think a lot of people don't have, which yeah. is that you will not just take everything at face value. What, what are they, 
what does the person who wrote this want me to believe and do I need to believe it? So I'm going to, I'm going to look that up before I take yeah. this, you know? So. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing to kind of get back a little bit to the education, and I love the idea of seek the truth and, you know, being very unbiased. It's kind of just like, who wouldn't want that? So, you know, we're all supposed to like that. But uh, again, to kind of harken back to like the, not to get into the argument side of it, but you can probably get into arguments uh, with people about why public school is bad. But when you look at the history, Woodrow Wilson, all the stuff that was written about how the public schools, the, the um, Prussian model for education, and they just want, you know, basically meat for the grinder. Like this stuff is out there if you want, like you can tell. And like, if you care about your kids at all, you should be like, no, this isn't, this isn't good. Like, you know, we're, we're not going to put up with this. You're not going to make little bots out of our kids so that the elite can continue to elite us. You know, they're just going to tell us all kinds of crazy bullshit again. You look at, you know, Carnegie and Anderson Cooper on CNN. He was in, apparently I didn't know this, but um, at one point I learned that he was the guy who was in the morning telling kids like the news, you know, did you know this? No, no. He was the presenter for the news and he was also uh, a, a part of the CIA for a little bit of time. Um, and people are like, he was just an intern. He's not CIA. But it's like he doesn't have any journalist background. But apparently he's the, you know, one of the biggest journalists on, on CNN. But he was apparently the guy who presented the news to kids when they started to get video presentations in the mornings for their homeroom or whatever it was. Well, we used to have something called, a, did you have the one called channel one news that would be on in it. Yeah. So we had one that was like a national news thing, but it was presented by, it was produced and presented by high school students and they would broadcast it to whatever high schools would actually run it. And we would watch Mm -hmm. channel one news every day um, during, during the day. There's something extra special, uh, especially disgusting to me about using children to push political agendas. I mean, you mentioned your friend, uh, letting you know having his kids hold signs up and and things like that and then you look at things on the left with uh using children for the climate change arguments and and we see things like the cuties movie on netflix and all that and all this manipulation like do you find something extra specially disgusting about listening to political messaging from children of course (laughs) yeah the parkland shooting well it's funny because if you criticize the parkland shooting kids the victims from parkland shooting you are a monster. But if you go after the Covington Catholic kids, it's like those people are asshole racists. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting to see the and again, it's it's the nuance. It's the dichotomy. It's the hypocrisy. Like I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want Nick Sandman to be some kind of a spokesperson for anything I believe in. And I am. I mean, I don't care if people get an abortion. I, they were there for that reason. They were protesting, you know, right to life and all that stuff or for right to life. So I, you know, I tend to agree with him on that, but I wouldn't want him as my spokesman because he's a kid and it's probably not going to be an easy life. And he didn't want to be a spokesman either. But if you, I mean, I still see people posting on Instagram, like when Trump announced the people who were speaking about, uh, at his, um, you know, at the inauguration or whatever, I keep forgetting the name of it, but he was on there. And again, people just pull it right back out. Like, Oh, this racist. And it's like, did you not see the lawsuit thing and the, you know, rest of the tape and all the stuff for the black Israelites and the native American phony who lied and none of this, none of no, nope. I already made up my mind, you know, uh, 13 months ago. So I don't need to do any more thinking. Now, does it matter that in Trump's fine people comments that like 20 seconds later, he said that he wasn't talking about white supremacists and Nazi neo-Nazis that, I know. that that they should be condemned, that he was talking about the people that were there protesting the removal of a statue and yeah. that the white supremacist, like, does that matter? It's in the same clip. Like, it's in the exact same clip. It is. It's a, and that's the <laughs> thing that I know Scott Adams is on this one a, a lot. But the, that that issue, again, it goes back into the Civil War and the Confederacy, whether Abe Lincoln was a racist or not, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, he just freed the slaves because he was a nice guy. It's like, no, it was all based on economics. Mostly he did free the slaves because he did want to ruin their sort of labor force and encourage them to come up and fight for the North and all this stuff. So it was it was a a lot more complex and nuanced than everything else. 
But, you know, just think about people who were in the Confederate Army who, you know, some of them got conscripted. And for the children of the children, you know, who fought in those wars to have to say, yeah, well, my granddad was a was a total racist because he fought for the Confederacy. It's like, but was he? Yeah. And not only that, I mean, you're judging history through today's perception of of all these things. And that's not really a fair thing to do is to is to, you know, take take our I've always said, and I mean, obviously, I guess I'll put a disclaimer. There's obviously no excuse for any type of slavery. I'll do it and say that out loud. But a hundred years from now, people might look at people who eat meat and think about how barbarians, they were just barbarians that were killing animals. And I can't believe people used to do that. And, and, oh, don't, uh, your grandfather was a, was a meat eater, I read. And, uh, you know, and and you just imagine that, which it's hard for people to imagine because, uh, I mean, you've got to completely exit your brain and put yourself in the, in the mind of someone else. But, Mm -hmm. um, if you just imagine people looking back on us right now for something like that, it really wouldn't be fair. And while it seems obvious, the whole, the whole deal with racism and slavery, the human beings were completely different animals at that time. And yeah. to apply this blanket, this, this blanket idea to all of them from, from today, I mean, you know, the, People, minorities didn't even get the right to vote uh, until sometime in the mid 1900s. You know, like it's, it's human beings are constantly changing, and and taking what we all know as truth today and applying it to people from two or three hundred years ago is just not really a fair thing to do in the first place. No, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it's funny because you know you had all kinds of warring factions all throughout Europe, and um, you know uh, the Arabs. Uh, it was. It wasn't like Iraq and all this other stuff, but those those guys came in and they came into Europe and they conquered and then it went the other way with the, you know, the I guess it was the Inquisition or whatever it was, but they mm-hmm. fought them back and there were slaves taken. There were slaves all over the place. There's a slave trade in Libya right now. Thank you, Obama and Hillary. Like, you know, slavery still kind of goes on. There's sex slavery, child slavery, and there are people attached to it, but it, but to suggest that it's like, anyone connected to these kinds of things should all be connected um, just based on whatever skin color or they were in the neighborhood, you know, is, is absolutely detrimental to honesty, to truth, to, you know, again, discourse that like the people who were being sold to the slave traders back when the United States was being founded from my understanding were being sold by the captives of other blacks who had captured their tribe. So it's not like they're out of the loop here too. You know, it's like, let's point the fingers. If you're going to point fingers, point them at everyone who's involved. Otherwise stop pointing fingers because I didn't own a slave. My parents didn't own a slave. None of my grandparents owned a slave. Came over from Europe after being bombed the hell out of it from world war two. And I don't think they ever had one slave. They were broke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But because uh, because of the color of your skin, you're you're uh, which seems racist to go ahead and apply a blanket perception of you based on simply what the color of your skin is. Um, you would think that. I feel like that's racism. I feel like that's actual yeah. racism, <laughs> like literal racism. Well, to, and, and to go back to my friend on Instagram, you know, like people who are non-white who are on the right, you see it all the time in the media. You see it all the time on Twitter. Any person who's right of Karl Marx is a race traitor, is stupid, there's not, they're not worth listening to and all this stuff. And it's just, I think that's what's the crucial thing is that people won't try to understand that, that, that people who disagree with you, excuse me, came to these opinions um, from something in their history, whether it was research, whether it was education, whether it was upbringing, whether it's, you know, I rode with a lot of Uber drivers during the 2015, 2016, because I was traveling a lot for work, you wouldn't believe how many people from Africa who were immigrants here came here legally and were voting for Trump. And, you know, I don't expect them to be libertarians, but I would have these great conversations with everybody. And I used to record them, but it was so funny because they're voting for Trump. And again, it's like, 
are you a white supremacist? Nope. Doesn't seem like a white supremacist to me. The guy tried to get out in Nigeria to make a life for himself. He's driving an Uber now and he's probably living it up. You know, the, just real quick before we wrap this up, you mentioned the Uber driving thing. And I actually forgot until now, one of the really important interactions I had with an Uber driver, he was from Somalia and he was like, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Somalia. And I was like, Oh, okay. He was like, he's like good, good people, really good people in Somalia. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's yeah, I'm sure. And he's like, you know, Americans, they think that, that all the people in Somalia are bad. And he's, you know, it mentioned something about pirates, you know, and he was, and (laughs) what he, what he said was there's a good people in Somalia. He said, if they don't pirate, if they don't do these things, they'll starve to death. He said that he said, it's their only option. He said, yeah, they go, and they steal these things from these ships and they do all this. He said that they don't do it, they'll starve and their families will starve. He said it's their only option. And wow. and I just, man, I totally forgot about that story until until you mentioned that. But that's kind of the exact thing I'm talking about. Like, don't judge those people that are over there. Is what they're doing wrong? More, yes. But does it mean necessarily that they're terrible, evil, just God-awful people who who want to be? taking those rights away from people all the time, or is it literally their only option? Are people coming across the border in Mexico, are they terrible, evil people? Or do they just not want their families to grow up inside of that that type of a, a tyrannical government or living around the drug lords and the cartels and stuff like that? Like, are they actually bad people for breaking the law and coming across the border? No. Right. Did they break a law? Yeah. Are they bad people? No, not really. Uh, so I think it's very important for people to to consider the situations that people are in. Yeah, I think I think I always hear it on Dave Smith is I don't know where it comes from, but it's the thought experiment of you're starving. Um, you've been out in the woods for, you know, two weeks and you come across a cabin that's empty and there's food in there. Do you have the right to steal it? It's like. I don't know. I mean. I probably wouldn't recommend it and I would, you know, not want you to die. So I'd say, go ahead. Yeah. There's something there. Like, do you have the, <laughs> do you have the right to do it? I don't, I don't, I don't know if you have the right to do it, but would any reasonable person in that scenario do the exact same thing because they don't want to starve like that? Yep. They would, you can't really make those judgments about the human beings themselves unless you actually know what situation they're in. So that's what we're trying to do with this podcast right now. I hope, I hope you enjoyed the talk, man. It was. It was fun. It was good yeah. to talk to you. And I, I got you all in the rotation now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be listening to your show. And then uh, I haven't been on the podcast because I've been trying to get set up for work here because I'm starting a new job. So I won't be on any of the recent shows, but I'm going to join on Saturday. So I do hope you check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's goofy. So if anybody wants to listen, I, it's I need definitely something, not safe for work. I need <laughs> I need something that's not overly serious about everything. So so uh, yeah. So it sounds like it might be what I'm needing right now for sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it it is for sure. I'm the only one who gets bananas on there, so that's kind of my thing. So <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, it's I pre- been good. Thank I you so much. The conversation, dude. Yeah. Take care. Have a great night. All right. You too.